0: back to another episode of the Fast Break Live NBA Podcast. It is your host, Samuel. I am back once again. Uh, we are talking some NBA playoffs as we are in full swing of the first round of the NBA playoffs. With me, I got with me my guy, Nick Andre. Nick, say what's up to the people.
1: What's good with you, bro? Happy to be back on the show, as usual.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Um... So as we're recording, recording on Saturday in the middle of Game Four between the Mavericks and the Jazz, um, and yeah, um, Luka John, Luka Doncic is back, and I guess we could just start with this series about like some some main takeaways that we've got from from this from the series. Um, for me personally, I, I've just noticed like one thing that's really stuck out to to me more than usual. Um, is like Utah's defense and more in particular Donovan Mitchell's defense like it's just been something that's been terribly obvious this series especially with Jalen Brunson's emergence and his ability to attack that weakness Um, it's really been evident in this series Um, and Donovan Mitchell's been one of the primary people that's been getting exposed and leaving Rudy down low to um to to dry basically and have to clean up that mess, so, um, yeah, that's one of the main takeaways i've I've taken away from this series, as well as just like the Utah Jabs are on their way to probably getting blown up after this series, um especially if they lose in in five, which it could very much well be on its way to, so um yeah, i mean how how you feel about this series so far, so
1: basically, I think out of all of these series, this is probably. My least enjoyable series, if I had to say the least, because the only reason why is because I look at, I watched game one and Utah probably played, I'm not going to say they played a perfect game, but they probably played their best game and they only won by six points. And that was a game without Luka Doncic in which the Mavs uh, only like, in which the Mavs basically kept it close for the most part. I know D. Mitch ended up struggling in that game. I think Bob really carried them for the most part. And the one thing that I said is that this team is in trouble, honestly, because we don't know when Luka comes back, but the fact that Luka's not even here and they're keeping it close with these guys, like, like says trouble to me. So that's what happens. You know, obviously Jalen Brunson has 41 in game two, and then Dallas comes into game three and they just basically dominates them. But I definitely, I definitely agree with your take on the Utah's defense. It doesn't seem like, you know, the switching hasn't been that great. You know, they're not communicating on that end of the floor. Even even Gobert, in my opinion, has also been exposed as well in this series. I mean, um, besides Donovan Mitchell. So, overall, Utah just really hasn't been a good team. I think we all expect this team to be blown up after this season. We don't know who's going to be gone, whether it's D-Mitch or whether it's uh, Gobert. But, you know, th- like this is a team that's been trying it for so many years. And they've really been pretenders to me. So, it's like, you know, we all expect them to make the playoffs. But, you know, what's next after that? You know, they had the one seed last year. I think a lot of people, even myself, believe that they could make some noise. But it just never happened. And then, and then, obviously, they had an up-and-down year this year. So, in my opinion, I think, I think, I think it's just over for uh, Utah this year. I think I definitely feel like, you know, now that Luca's back, they can possibly get bounced in his uh, first round and then we'll have to see what happens with them after that.
0: Yeah, it definitely looks like there's going to be a breakup of um, the Rudy Gobert. Just that whole core in general. I think they should just, like, ship off most of the parts that they have and see what they can get for them just because it's, it's, it's not a core that is, like, it's not a core that you can see them, even if they change a couple things around. It's not something that you can see being a winner in the West at all, especially with Golden State's um, reemergence. You got younger teams on the come up as well.
1: Just, yeah, just sure.
0: like, there's just like so many teams that are getting better and are already better than Utah that like their window has passed. And like you just got to get what the most that you can for, out of this core and just see what you can do after that. Because right. like, this is this is just not a team that's built to to win. Yeah. Long-term. So I was honestly I was honestly having some
1: conversations about this the other day though, because it's probably gonna go down to who's gonna be gone between Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell. Obviously with Mitchell to start, you're probably gonna wanna build around him, but it's like who else are you gonna attract to go to Utah? You know, you know, I don't I mean Utah's not gonna win a free agency because nobody wants to go there because it's such a small market. So it was like, who can you really trade for, you know, if you're trying to build around uh, Donovan Mitchell or will it end up being Donovan Mitchell just saying that he wants out? So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a tough situation there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it just is. And 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 that's why I just lean to like blow it all up. Just like trade as much as you can and and see what you get back. Because like you can get a lot for guys like Bogey, Clarkson, even Donovan Mitchell, if you choose to, like, really just, like, embrace it, blowing it all up. But, yeah, I mean, a small market team like them, they just have to rebuild through the draft if, 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 if it comes to that, to be honest. Because when it comes to these small market teams, like you said, no one's going to really go to Utah, even if they just keep Spider. So it's like, at that point, just blow it all up and just, like, get as much assets as you can and, and build from there. So we'll, we'll see what Utah does. Um, it's not looking good for them. Um, but we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, next series I do want to talk about. Um, is probably we did have um the Sixers versus the Raptors today. I I do want to get to that at a, at a at another at another point in time. But um, another series that I do want to talk about is probably. Let me see. Minnesota versus Memphis, because that's another game that's coming up today. Um, by the time you hear this recording, um, the winner of Game Four will probably be, will already be decided. So, um, but that last game was like probably one wow. of the craziest, <laughs> one of the craziest playoff games that um that I've seen in some time, probably ever. I mean, a team having a twenty five point lead twice and it getting decimated twice and losing the game because of that. I mean, there's just like so many ways I could go with this with this series. I mean, Delo hasn't been good for a majority of the series. He carried them in that last game. Cat hasn't been good for two games out of the series. Well, most of the series as a, as you could say. Um and that's been the case with him in in most playoff situations. I mean, going back to 2018, um, versus, um, I think it was 2018, versus Houston. And then um, the play-in this year, I mean, like, he just gets himself into foul trouble, and then it just affects his play. And, like, the last game he had, like, what? He took, like, four shots or whatever it was, and he had, like, five fouls. So, like, that tells you the story right there. And, I mean, that's just a team that just lacks leadership. And the last thing I'll say about that last game is, and not even the whole series in general, but that last game. I mean, Chris Finch, for him to sit there and -hmm. watch his team just blow a 21, just have a 21-0 run just happen on them and not try to, like, stop the bleeding, try to hemorrhage anything, try to, like, calm his guys down, just watch it happen It's pretty remarkable to me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's honestly wild to me how, like, you know, you just let a team go on that type of run because, I mean, it's like you said, I mean, they were up. The T wolves were up, I think like eighty three to like fifty eight, like I think it was like late in the third, early fourth, and then they just watched that lead just collapse out of nowhere, and Chris Finch just does nothing, which is wild to me. You know what I'm saying? Like even if it's like a, like a quick eight zero run, I probably would have called a timeout and just you know what would have would have got my team settled in. So that was definitely wild, and I, I think we have to have that discussion about cap because you know what I'm saying? it's just it's just been going on for too long. Because even earlier in the year, like or I want to say earlier year, like towards like later in the season when he had that sixty point game against uh minnesota or, sorry against uh san antonio people were considering him to be in that same conversation people were fighting for him to be in that same conversation as Jokic and bead and even though i disagree then i definitely disagree now i mean i love cat i think cat is a very talented player but he shows that you know he's kind of all barking to me you know we, we've seen him all the time like you know talking talking all type of trash and everything like you know when things are good but you know mm-hmm. now now in these playoff moments where things are crucial, you know, he's starting to kind of, kind of shrink and fold, you know, and when, when, when the pressure comes on him, so it, it's kind of crazy to me because you know, Cat is really one of the ones with, like, with like the most playoff experience on this team, so it's like, you know, in my opinion, like in a lot of people's eyes, you know, he's kind of the franchise player, even though, you know, even though Anthony Edwards is pretty much on the rise right now. Obviously, Cat has the most experience, so you would expect for him to like to show up in these type of games and like you know set the tone. So for him to only have about eight points and five rebounds in a crucial game like this, it's, it's like it's your first home game of the series. You should be able to set the tone. you like up oh, twenty five and you do nothing. Like it, it just I don't know. its just it's just crazy to me. So it's like I like Cat as a player. I don't believe he's in that same conversation as far as Yogi's did to beat as like some of the top bigs, and. It's going to be important for him to like have a crucial like to have a really big game in this uh, game four because I, I feel I feel like I feel like if Cat shrinks again, even if Minnesota does, you know play play pretty well to, to say the least. If he does not have a big game, then you know Memphis is going to go up three one, and we definitely have to give uh, credit to Memphis as well. Guys like Desmond Bain, who was just knocking down trades like nonstop, Dylan Brooks has been great on the defensive, and obviously we know what John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr. have done. But you can just tell like they're just better organized and obviously they're just better coached. You know, Taylor Jagas was a, a coach of the year candidate. So, you know, everything right now is clicking for Memphis right now. And and um and you could tell like in that late fourth quarter how like how things went.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, Memphis, they like showed more poise down the stretch, definitely. Um, and that's a and that's a credit to their depth as well, because like they had guys like Brandon Clark come in 20, 20 points, eight rebounds off the bench. Had yeah, Tyus mm-hmm. Jones come in, settle things down in the fourth quarter. I mean, I feel like because like a lot of people they they see um they see the um the um the Grizzlies record without Ja, and that's like a testament to like the players that they mm-hmm. have on that team. Because like I feel like in playoff situations, Tyus Jones is probably better equipped at organizing the offense in the half court than Ja Morant is. Because like. During the regular season when like they were able to get out and transition and like really get out on the and run, um, that's when Jaws game benefited. But in the playoffs, things slow down and you need that kind of floor general that can like really like play with pace and poise and Tyus Jones has shown that throughout his whole career, like even going back to Duke. So like mm-hmm. I feel like there might not there might be like some some like some changes they need to make when it comes to their, their crunch time offense at the at least when when things really slow down and they need to like insert um insert Tyus Jones. I feel like he would he would help their offense a, a lot more. Um
1: so you see like a small lineup of like Ja and uh, Tyus Jones in that backcourt, possibly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah I'm not mad at that.
0: Yeah, I mean I I I know I know I know Taylor Jenkins wouldn't be afraid to do that because you know they've done a whole bunch of different stuff all year so yeah but it's it's also it's also a matter of like how how the team is playing at that time like if if whatever they're doing is working already then then fine but like if they need to make that adjustment of like when the game really slows down and Ja can't really get um to the paint at will because like that's one thing that he's struggled with in the series that we saw in game in the second half of game one specifically. And then most of game three, that paint is, is clogged. I mean, even without Steven Adams, it's still a little difficult for him to get where he wants to in the paint. And we know he doesn't have much of a mid range or a three point game. So like if Memphis really wants to ease things up for their offense, they'd probably better off um, having Tyus initiate things.
1: I could definitely see that you know running like a small lineup. I could see um Tyus and John at backcourt. Then I guess you could add guys like Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain in that um uh, that wing position as well at three and at four. And then I guess you could put J um Jared Jackson Jr. at the five. So I mean that's that's am I in my opinion that's a pretty decent lineup. I know Taylor Jenkins probably can you know do do other things, but that, that's obviously not a bad lineup in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and like as for the rest of the series, I mean that type of loss um that type of loss is that type of loss that can like really crush your spirits heading into the rest of that series yeah because like to have a 25 point lead at home and to just blow it not once but twice that can really like impact how that series goes and like if minnesota doesn't respond the right way it could be over for them real quickly
1: yeah, it's true. Like this game is super crucial for them. So, I mean, it kind of, like I said, I think, I think it comes into the, uh, the hands of Carl Anthony Towns, in my opinion. I know that, you know, guys like Anthony Edwards probably going to have a decent game. I'm, I'm hoping d can come up as well, but if Cat doesn't at least try to set the tone on both ends of the floor for them and like try not to like get in foul trouble, then Minnesota probably has a chance. But if, but if, but if he shrinks again, honestly, then, you know, the, like Minnesota's going go down 3-1 in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I I, I've been having that honest conversation about about cat. I I, I've I've been someone that's like, like the the regular season numbers they be cool and all, and like I really don't say anything about them during the regular season. But like when it comes to playoff time, I expect cat to do this. So like him doing this is like no shock to me. I mean, some other people they may be shocked, but for me, this is just who cat was. I mean, I know he only had one playoff appearance before this. But like in every game in that five game series, he underperformed. So oh yeah, he got he got, he got cooked by Capella that entire yeah. series. So like that already showed me like what type of dude he was. So when the plan came around and he played like that, I was like, Yeah, this is this is who he is. And then game one, he looked pretty good. And I was like, you know what? Maybe things change for him. And then games two and three, he showed me who he was again and I was like, you know what? Not falling for that crap again. So We'll see what happens with game four. I'm not really expecting much from him. If they win, it's probably going to be big games from, um, like you said, Ant and D'Lo. Um, Probably a big game from someone off the bench like maybe Malik Beasley or McDaniels. Or something yeah, I can like see that. that. But yeah, I just don't see him being a contributor to their winning. And maybe he proves me wrong today. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, Next series that we could talk about, though, is probably the most interesting first round series. And that's probably the Nets versus the Celtics. Um, you can start off with how you te- how you feel about this series.
1: So the one thing that I will say after Game Two, after what I after you know what I basically witnessed, you know Brooklyn got off to a hot start, but then you know the Celtics really uh changed the pace of the game and really you know mounted their comeback and really had a great fourth quarter. You know I'm I'm looking at the defensive side of things, and I'm looking like you know. It doesn't seem like Brooklyn was just making necessary adjustments, in my opinion. Steve Nash is, you know, in this situation where, you know, he could, you know, make some make some different lines, but he's just not doing anything, in my opinion. Honestly, I'm not I'm not saying that it will happen, but I would not be surprised if this was a sweep, honestly, because the way that Boston has really locked down Kevin Durant in this series is just honestly like crazy to me. I, I don't I don't think I've ever seen KD have a bad two straight games in the playoffs before, like, you know, throughout his career. So for him to be exposed like this, you know, getting like a great defense from guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Grant Williams, really putting that pressure on him and not allowing him to get the ball in, um, in certain situations. Like, it's just incredible to me. So I'm hoping that Brooklyn can respond well in this game three. I feel like Katie will possibly Ooh. try to uh, try to come out try to come out with some fire in, um, in the beginning of game three. But I'm not saying that it will happen, but I would not be surprised if Boston ends up sweeping his team.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's not too crazy. I mean, the defensive pressure that they really applying to KD, this isn't something that he hasn't seen since, like, um, 2016 Western Conference Finals. So, yeah. Uh, and, like, we saw that series. He struggled. Um, and Westbrook struggled. And you see in this series, him and Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie had a great, great game one. But game two, he was, he, he was very, like, it doesn't get talked about because, like, KD was, like, so bad. Like, but well, yeah, Ky- Kyrie definitely definitely shrunk too in my
1: opinion. Yeah, he yeah.
0: played terrible in game two. Like, what he had like ten points. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was bad. And I mean, it, it it was like, it wasn't as bad as Katie going over ten in the second half. But man, I mean, those two they really stunk it up. And um, the 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 tide of the series is gonna change a little bit because we do have Robert Williams. He is expected to return mm-hmm. to game three tonight. We do have um, Ben Simmons, who's expected to return in Game Four right. on, on on. I want to talk about that too on as well Monday because
1: you know I I, I kind of want to talk about that like the Ben Simmons um comeback because I don't know to me like I think he makes a small difference like maybe maybe when he does come back they can win a game but I don't see Ben Simmons possibly like you know being like the big difference and obviously you know make trying to like allowing Brooklyn to come back in this series in my opinion. Like, you know, like we haven't seen Ben Simmons since last year in the um, in the second round when they lost it, when the Sixers lost to Atlanta. So, you know, he's went this whole year without playing. He's had back issues and whatnot. So I don't know why people are expecting him to just come back in his first game of the year in a playoff, in a, in a, in a critical playoff game to really, like, come back and make a difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's had, like, whatever ramp up time he's had, I don't think it's really enough because, like, the playoffs again are once again a different beast. Um, mm-hmm. he also doesn't help their issue that, um, that the, um, the Nets seem to have recognized Drummond said that, um, that like he, Katie needs more space, but adding Ben Simmons doesn't help to that problem. Nope. If anything, it makes that problem worse and it makes it easier for the Celtics to run their defensive game plan that they want to. Cause guys will just leave Ben Simmons knowing that he won't be aggressive and like, I don't know how that helps the Nets. It helps them defensively a little bit. They have more guys to throw at um, Jason Tatum, at Jalen Brown, whatever it, be, it, it, it may be. But Celtics role players have also showed that they can step up when those two are struggling. Mm-hmm. Too. So while that may be a good option to have, it really doesn't really, to me, it doesn't move the needle that much. And adding Robert Williams back for the Celtics just makes them that much more, um, threatening on defense too, so that way their defensive game plan is even more solid than it was those first two games. So I mean, I really don't see Ben Simmons moving the needle, and I've been saying this since it was announced that he may come back in the first round of the playoffs weeks ago. So I mean, I still don't see it now, especially seeing this matchup. It just feels like the Celtics are the better team, and I mean, a lot of people been saying like you don't get the seed that you are for no reason, and the nets are showing why they are a seventh seed like they just do not have a, a a a great unit out there
1: that's true. yeah i, I was honestly just about to say like like when you look at brooklyn like besides like Katie and Kyrie, obviously like this team in my opinion I, I don't i don't think it's just constructed right in my opinion you know i mean i like guys like seth curry i like bruce brown and the rest of those guys but brooklyn like when you when you look at the difference between these two teams brooklyn is just not really a good team in my opinion so i mean you're obviously seeing why they're down 2-0 right now and I definitely agree with you as far as you know on the offensive side for Ben Simmons because he's not really that big of a threat offensively. So you know, I don't. It definitely doesn't make a difference from that perspective. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's just it's just a bad year, in my opinion, for Brooklyn. I, I'm I'm a person that believes that Steve Nash will probably be gone after this year. So we'll see. Like so, so we'll see like who who's who's going to be next as far as their head coach. But they just need to go ahead and revamp this roster because, in my opinion, like it was never made to really do anything, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Steve Nash is just a coach. I mean, while the Celtics were making their run in that last game, he was over there on the bench, again, like Chris Finch, just like watching. And like this thing with these coaches, it's, it's hilarious because like Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich, they made this thing kind of popular of like letting their, their team yeah. work through the mistakes and get themselves out of holes that they dug. But when you're working with like these type of teams that are not, all like crazy talent it's just it's not gonna work like you have to call a timeout settle your guys in get them reorganized like you just have to do that i don't understand what these coaches think that they can just fill jackson it or greg popovich and it'll solve their team's issues if anything it's been making these teams even like more vulnerable in these situations
1: no, I agree. Honestly, um, like like I said, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Brooklyn ends up getting swept. I, I'm not gonna say like I'm I'm expecting it to happen, but you can. Be, I mean, you can basically tell that, that the Celtics pretty much have this this series pretty much wrapped, even if Brooklyn does get about a game or two.
0: Yeah, I, I'm very confident in the Celtics closing this one, in this one out. Um, next series we can get to, um, the other series that happened today in the East: Philadelphia versus Toronto. Um this series kind of got interesting get, coming back to Toronto. I mean the first two games were dominated by Philly. And you know, mm-hmm. when Philly's at home, their whistle is guaranteed be guaranteed to be way better than it is when they're on when they're on the road. We see that we saw that these last two games, like Philly just when they're not getting their whistles, they've they've looked pretty normal. And now that Embiid has been revealed to have a thumb issue. And it seems to really bother him today. Um, and also seemed like the mm-hmm. Raptors really like went for it um to like, attack that hand. Um, and it worked because he was very frustrated and let him get a technical um in today's game four, which Toronto did win. Um, Scotty Barnes came back from his ankle injury that he was suffering. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say anything about this series just yet because it is a Doc Rivers team. I know Philly is the mm-hmm. better team, but like we've seen Doc Rivers with the better team before and not be able to close things out. No team has ever um, lost after trailing 3-0 in the NBA. Like that's that's just never happened. I know some teams have forced a game seven in certain situations, but we'll see um it's good to see that Toronto put up a valiant effort I mean despite all that did not go their way this game with Fred being hurt OG struggling from the field um Scotty Barnes basically on like one leg today um but yeah I mean how how do you how do you feel about this series because it's it's been pretty it's been pretty one-sided we did have the game winner from Joel Embiid also in game three in After Precious failed to hit fr- two free throws, that's I feel that's key to note there. Um, yeah, sure. But yeah, how you feeling about this series overall?
1: I mean, yeah, I mean when you, when you look at it, it has been basically one side. I mean, Philly's basically dominated throughout the series. But the one thing I will say is that you know once the series transitioned to uh to Toronto, I mean it definitely has gotten interesting, especially with that um uh, with that OT performance in Game Three. If only only thing that I hated was that Siakam was taking some like really was making some really dumb plays in my mm-hmm. opinion, overtime period that possibly could have, like, you know, that possibly could have resulted in a, a Toronto win, if you ask me, so yeah. But you but you could definitely feel the uh, the presence of Scotty Barnes not being there throughout uh, games two and three really affecting them, and that's why even today, you know, like, they were able to get just such a big win just because of his versatility on the floor. So I know that, you know, we... I know that Doc Rivers does have a track re- record of just, you know, blowing leads and just, you know, folding whenever, uh, like, during the playoffs, but I definitely feel like Philly's probably going to take this thing in five games, but the question is... They're going to have to play Miami in the um, in the second round, and I must say I'm not really too confident in them against them. Honestly, I know they have I know they have uh, a potential MVP in Joel and B, but this is one of those. I mean, I, I feel I feel like that next round will be one of those series where it's like you know it's going to come down to really coaching, and we obviously know that um, Spoelstra is definitely definitely a better coach than Doc mm-hmm.
0: Rivers. Yep, yep. So that's going to be something to look forward to. There, I mean. The one thing that's going to be key for the rest of this series, how healthy is Fred Van Vliet, how healthy is Scottie yep. Barnes. Can Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent, Oga, and Obi transfer this play that they've been playing at home? Can they play in Philadelphia like this? Because if they can, they can make Game 5 very interesting. If not, and if those guys aren't healthy, Game 5 could be a bloodbath.
1: Yeah, I feel like game five would probably be I feel like game five would probably be a, a, a pretty close one to say the least throughout, throughout the course of the game. But I don't know. I, I just I, I just feel like, you know, Philly's going to have that momentum just being back at home and they're going to be able to close it out.
0: Yeah, I would not be surprised. Um, James Harden today with probably the quietest 22 points I have ever seen in a playoff game. shooting 29 percent from the field and 25 percent from the field. I mean, just very invisible in that fourth quarter. Um, did not, I could, if you told me to remember a single bucket from this game that James Harden scored, I could not tell you. Cause I don't remember a single point that he scored. I almost thought that he yeah. wasn't playing. I had to check the box score to make sure that he was actually in the game and was shocked to see that he had 22 points. Cause I didn't re- remember a single basket that he registered today. No, I
1: agree. Honestly, I mean, I, I mean, you could say that from like basically the whole series. Like, I just yeah, he's been can't been really recall. Yeah, like, I can't really recall really Harden really making that big of an impact. And I feel like it's kind of been overshadowed because Tyrese Maxey has been so great throughout mm-hmm. the series. But it's like you know, but Harden, Harden definitely really hasn't made his impact known. I mean, honestly, you could, I don't know if it's like the hamstring injury or you know maybe he just wants to feel, uh, facilitate more. But he definitely hasn't really dominated offensively. And that might be a problem going forward. I feel like you know he doesn't have to. He, obviously, he doesn't have to average thirty, but he just definitely needs to make more of an impact on the end of the floor. At the on the end of the floor, as far as you know, as far as being dominant on offense, especially you know when double tra- when it draws double teams and everything, because I mean he's he's, he's definitely going to get most of the attention. That's supposed to be the hardest job to take that pressure off of him. So it's like I know that Philly's up right now three one. You know they won the first three games, but you can definitely tell that Harden hasn't really been that big of a difference maker this series at all.
0: Yeah, and it's either he's cooked or he's once again afraid of the bright lights, but, like, either one of those things doesn't doesn't bode well for Philly, because, I mean, they traded whatever depth that they had this season with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond to Mm. get him, and next series, when they actually need him to, like, be on his shit, like it's going to be very concerning if he's still putting up these kind of performances, which I do expect because this is just who he is in the playoffs and, you know, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's for another series, I guess. Um, if it, if it gets to that point with them, right. Um, next series, Milwaukee versus Chicago. How you feeling about that series so far? It's really interesting to
1: say the least. Uh, coming into it, I felt like the Lonzo ball injury was just going to hurt Chicago significantly. So I, I actually predicted it as a sweep. But throughout the first two games of the, se- of the series, like, you know, even though DeRozan had that terrible game one, you know, uh, Chicago was definitely able to keep it close. So I definitely commend them for that. And then in game two, of course, you know, when uh, when DeRozan redeemed himself for that 41-point game. um you know they Chicago. Chicago definitely responded well, but you. I don't know. if To me, I can just like you can just tell that Milwaukee kind of has this series in the wraps. I mean, I, I don't know how far it goes, whether it's um five six games, but you can just tell you know that that Milwaukee just ha- kind of has them outnumbered. Um, without Chris Middleton, I expect the Chicago that to, to kind of show to, like to kind of show like show up and like you know have a fight in Game Three, but they just got cooked the entire game, led by Giannis basically. But honestly, like. The loss of Ball injury, you know, definitely has played a has played a huge role and, you know, with his versatility as far as, you know, being a great on ball defender. Then of course, you know, being that being that playmaker on the offensive side of the floor. So definitely, you know, guys like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, even though even though even though DeRozan has played pretty decent for uh, to say the least, you know, it just hasn't been that easy for them. And honestly, I feel like, you know, the uh, the, the the loss of Chris Middleton was honestly gonna like hurt Milwaukee. Or I want to say hurt Milwaukee, but I felt like, you know, that it wasn't gonna be as easy, but Looking at how game three went, I think Milwaukee will probably take this thing in five games, honestly.
0: Yeah. Um, the Middleton injury was very interesting because um, at that point, I thought, man, this is going to be really tricky for Milwaukee to navigate this because they're already not a deep team. Um and, like, Drew has looked suspect in the playoffs before with Milwaukee. Um, and, like, they just – it just didn't seem like a group that was proven to, like, play together really well. And then on yesterday, on Friday, they, like, shut me up and proved me wrong with um, –
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I had to check the numbers because, like, I I, I noticed that when, when Middleton is out, Grayson Allen averages, like, 17 a game or something like that. So, like –
1: yeah, it's crazy. Yeah,
0: so he's like some someone that they'll be able to, I guess, rely on more consistently. And then of course you got Bobby Portis gave you eighteen and sixteen starting in this line, starting lineup, four threes. I mean, Bobby's probably Bobby's like already proven at this point. Like he's someone very reliable for them. They know what they're gonna get from him, especially when they need him to step up, which is um pretty good for them. And then Pat Connaughton gave them eleven off the bench, along with Grayson Allen giving them twenty two. So they do have somewhat of some depth that can make up for what Middleton brings you. Middleton had a pretty up and down year this year too. So it's not that right. surprising that his absence um wasn't that glaring. And then with Chicago, I mean, you mentioned the Lanza injury, but to me, the more um glaring issue for them is like DeRozan being DeRozan in the playoffs, or should I say DeFrozen um, and, and Zach Levine not being, Proven in the playoffs or not even being involved in the offense that much. I mean, most of the time, most of the time in the series throughout this, um, series on offense, he's been like parked in the corners or just like chilling on the perimeter, doing nothing, just waiting for a three pointer. So it's like, other than that, I mean, like Vucevic gave you 19 the last game and he's been pretty good this series. And he's probably the only guy that really has significant playoff, um, experience on this roster besides, um, Tristan Thompson. And that's an issue. And, um, yeah, I mean, oh, and Alex Caruso, who won a championship with the Lakers. But other than that, I mean, none of these guys are really proven. Rosen's proven to be a loser in the playoffs. But other than that, it's just like it's it's pretty much what was expected out of Chicago, and that's why I wasn't high on them to begin with t- in the beginning of this season. And Chicago mm-hmm. fans, they they came to collect a little too early in the – in the in the um in the early parts of this season, but my concerns were always about playoff related. Like, go ahead, have your great regular season, but when it comes down to playoff time, I know what to expect from that group of players. So,
1: no, I mean, I'll I'll definitely say, you know, throughout this year, I was definitely um you know after I saw them get off to a hot start, I was definitely high on the Bulls. Well, I, I wouldn't say I was high on them, but you know, start to give I, them I, the I respect, they'll be able to make some noise. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could see them as like being like a second round team, but you know, as, as the season progressed and then, you know, they just kind of lost that momentum and now they're in this first round against the defending champs. I was like, yeah, they have no chance. I know they had a good game too, but you know, obviously, you know, after watching game three and watching DeRozan have that 11 point game. And of course, like you mentioned, Zach Levine, not really getting involved in the offense. Like we all expected, like, this series is basically over in my opinion. Like, I don't know if Chicago gets another game, but if they do, if they do, I'll be happy. But this this game is already pretty much in the wraps, or the, or the series is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't see DeRozan really replicating that game two performance. I I called it. I called it that night. I said that game was a fluke game, and then here he comes the next night and scores forty and scores eleven points, eleven points in thirty two minutes, and. Yeah, I mean, this is just, like, who he is. I mean, um, I will give credit to Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday really made him very uncomfortable that game. Like, he played some spectacular defense. And I don't know why he wasn't guarding him from the from the jump of the series. They had Giannis guarding him on so many possessions. And Giannis is not really – Giannis is okay on the perimeter, but, like, he's not someone that you want to be tasked with being a perimeter stopper. He is better being right. a rim protector, a help side defender, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, So like having him on DeRozan just didn't make sense to me And I'm glad they fixed it up in Game 3 And Drew was able to really get him uncomfortable And it really messed with the flow of their offense Because their offense in Chicago was basically DeRozan, Iso, or dump it off to Vooch And then after that, just pray that Zach Levine hits a 3 When we toss it to him And that's not a good offense to have in the playoffs But hey, um, that's what Chicago wants to do So but, yeah, like you said, I see this I see this series ending in, like, five, maybe six, if Chicago wakes up next game. But who knows with with the way their players play.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, honestly. But I'm not really expecting much, honestly, from this Bulls team at
0: this point. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they are who they are at this point. Um, next series, staying on the East. Last East series to talk about, the one versus the eight matchup, Heat versus Hawks. Um, I said, I got to say after game one, it's been a pretty, um, pretty close series. I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Um, but how are you feeling about this series? Um, I mean, it,
1: it definitely has been a pretty, uh, pretty close series, uh, to say the least, you know, Miami ended up having a, having a big winning game two, um, going up two zero, And then of course, um, and then of course, you know, Trey Young having that having that uh game when he floated to end game three. But it's kinda like what I said about, you know, about the uh the Bulls and the Bucks. I, I just feel like Miami just pretty much has this pretty much wrapped up, honestly. I, I feel like I feel like they're probably gonna close it in five. Um but the one thing I'll say is that, you know, Trey Young has definitely uh, redeemed himself, at least at least from that horrible game one. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say he played I'm not gonna play I'm not gonna say he's played terrific throughout these last two games, but he's definitely has like, you know, um improved over the past few games. And then of course, you know, you have guys like Kevin Herner, Bogdanovich, you know, another guys Gallinari just being able to step up as well. Um, John Collins has made a small impact, but you know, considering that you know he came off with an injury, you know, you don't, you don't, you, you haven't really expected much. But you know, when like when when you look at this Miami team, obviously you know is having a pretty decent series, um, Lowry, um, Bam as well, you know, and, and other guys as well. Like you, like to me, I just see this, you know, I just see this as Miami just pretty much has this wrapped up, and I feel like the, I feel like, I feel like they definitely win Game Four, and then of course close it out in
0: Game Five as well. Um, for me, I feel like, I feel like Hawks, Hawks could probably win game two. I mean, I mean, not game two, game four. Um, they just, okay. they, they have a a really great home court advantage. Um, um, and with Kyle Lowry, probably missing time. I feel like that's going to be, that's going to be key in that series. Cause he has that hamstring injury and those yeah, things are very tricky to come back from. So this this series could probably end up being closer than we think um maybe miami shuts me up in the next game and jimmy butler goes crazy again like he did in game two with the 45 point performance also one thing that's really stuck out stuck out to me is jimmy butler is just like cashing threes now in the playoffs which is like
1: yeah that's a thing yeah very
0: weird to me like every time he hits one it catches me by surprise because like during the regular season, he just doesn't make any threes. Like, he's shot, like, what, like, 20, 20-something percent from three this year? So, like, him hitting these threes in the playoffs, and I wonder what his shooting percentage is in the playoffs. Because in game one, he hit um one out of two. Game three, he hit, like, four out of um seven or whatever it was. Yeah, game two, he shot four for, four for seven from three. And that game, he was just going crazy with the jumpers. And then the last game, he was one for five. So he's definitely taking more, and he's hitting more. So that's very that's been very interesting to me in this series. And I mean, I know the Hawks are probably just gonna keep letting him shoot the threes because like that's in their that's in their scouting. But at some point, they're gonna mm-hmm. have to. At some point, they're gonna have to um, step up on them. Okay, so. You
1: basically see this as you know going into Game Five is going to be tied at two. Honestly, I would I wouldn't even be too mad at that if it happened. But I don't know. I, I I just feel like the Heat still have some momentum. I mean, I think I think the Hawks. You know, even though even even though they had a good second half, you know, they pretty much had to struggle to fight their way back into the back into the game for the most part. But I don't know. I mean, it can it can also go either way. Honestly,
0: yeah. I mean that just makes that just makes the playoffs more interesting because a lot of people thought like these right. these series would be closer than they are right now. I mean, a lot of these series are like two-one, so like they are all pretty close still. But like the the manner and the games that have gone, the way that they've gone. So if a lot of these series end up two-two, then it does make it it ma- it does make it seem like it is more, it is closer than it is, which makes it more entertaining at that point. Yeah, definitely. Um, next series. So we've talked about all the series in the East. We talked about one series in the – or two series in the West. We got two more series left. We can start with Phoenix versus Pelicans. Game three happened last night. Um, Chris Paul took over in that fourth quarter just like he did in game one. Um, really showed these guys like, you know, okay, you guys think that I need Devin Booker to to be um, – to be a successful team him and deandre and they had like really masterful games 28 and 14 from Chris mm-hmm. Ball, 28 and 17 um from deandre and so 28 a piece from those two guys and then you add in 17 from bridges 10 from crowder um who still can't buy a basket from three in the playoffs which is very weird and then 15 off the bench from javille mcgee i mean this series i mean the game was still close so, like, I think I got to give the Pelicans credit for keeping it close with Ingram having 34, um, McCollum having 30 30 points as well. So, you know, this series has been actually more fun than I in, initiated. In my playoff preview with my guy, um, Sway, he thought that this series would be close, too. And I was like, Nah, I just see the, the Suns dominating. B- mind you, that was before Devin Booker got hurt but i still i still mm. saw like the suns being able to t- to handle things cuz you know top seed in the west 64 wins best season all time by them um they should be able to handle things against an 8 seed i mean i know the pelicans have been rolling as of late and you know um ingram and, and cj McCollum really have found some synergy with each other but other than that i really didn't see any other um factor in this series that could really sway things um but after like, i mean like all the games have been pretty much close in this series, which has been pretty pretty good. Cause usually a eight versus usually a one versus eight seed. Um the one seed usually is like knocking out the eight seed. But this series, the games have all been close. They've gone down to the wire. Um crunch time buckets required in most of these games. So it's been it's been pretty good.
1: Yeah, definitely. Honestly, I don't know if it can happen, but I can, I could possibly see this go seven. I'm not, I'm not going to say that it, I'm not banking on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happened just because even though the Suns have been pretty good for the most part of this series, um, the Pelicans have responded pretty well, honestly. Um, you know, Brandon Ingram has been, you know, the number one leader of this series You know really, really setting the tone for this team. He, I think he had like, I think he had like 34 points in game three as well. So, so, so he's really been, you know, playing significant. And it's crazy to and it's crazy to say too, because like this is his first ever playoff appearance as well. So, for him to be stepping up like this is just remarkable to me. And then, of course, you know you got other guys like um, CJ McCollum, and honestly, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram were just like a really good fit in my opinion. That's why I saw like when this trade went down, I was like, you know, this, you know, this trade can really um, can really help the Pelicans make something happen. And then, of course, you know you got guys like Valanciunas who was played pretty decent, um, Herb Jones as well, um, Jose Alvarado. So the Pelicans have really good depth in my opinion. So I think that's one of the reasons why. They're making the series, you know, as competitive as as it is right now. But of course, you know, when you like when you have the Western Conference champs who you know who, who have been in these situations before, obviously Chris Paul dominating that fourth quarter. That's like that's where the uh, that's where the Suns have the advantage, in my opinion. So, without Devin Booker, I'm not saying that the Suns are not going to make things happen, but the Pelicans are going to respond, in my opinion. In my opinion, they'll probably win Game Four, and then the series is going to be really like the series is going to get really intense going into like you know Games Five and Six possibly
0: yeah um yeah i mean um one thing i like about the pelicans is like their team has let their young guys play that is one thing that i have been like begging my knicks to do and they were forced to do it at the end of the season because whole roster was basically injured so they had no choice but like Mm -hmm. the fact that the pelicans allow like three rookies to be in their rotation in the playoffs. Like, that is just, like, for me, that to me, that's remarkable. Like, that's pretty cool. Having Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Alvarado be able to play key minutes and contribute to wins in a meaningful game. Like, that that is going to do wonders for the development. And I'm jealous as a Knicks fan because, like, I wish that Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin and, and, and those guys had that opportunity to do that. So it, it it sucks. Yeah, it's true. But you know, um, but yeah, it's it's good for their development. It's um, it's gonna be key for them to stay in this series because those guys are are key contributors. Um, and yeah, um, last series to talk over talk about in the playoffs is Golden State versus Denver. You can start things off about your Warriors. How you feeling over there in that series?
1: So coming into the series, I was already confident, but I definitely did not expect this to go up uh 3 0 to say the least, even though I'm not really surprised. But I mean, we all we all know who like who the star of this um series has been and and it's it's clearly mm-hmm. been Jordan Poole. You know, for this for this to be for this to be his first actual like playoff series and for him to be like, you know, just just really dictating the offense and really being that point guard that we really need is really remarkable. And then, and, then, and then of course his offense as well as far as scoring the ball has been pretty great as well. But it's just unfortunate for uh for Denver because Denver obviously you know even though even though they have Jokers you know they're missing the other two stars in Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. So they're they're expecting other guys like Monte Morris or even a guy like Will Barton to really step up and really and really um and really contribute in the way like you know Murray and Porter Jr. Uh what what have possibly uh, contributed. So, you know, it's just it's just a fortune in my in my opinion for Denver. But, you know, you can tell that, you know, Golden State is really just taking advantage. You know, having that lineup of Draymond, Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, and uh Klay Thompson down the stretch of the game is just really remarkable. So, you know, this will be good rest for the uh, for the Nuggets going four. I can definitely see this. Um actually, you know what? I will say that this will be a sweep. I think I feel I feel like Golden State is probably gonna close it out of game four, and then of course, you know, have that rest, you know, and get ready for the second round.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've been they've been pretty fun to watch, um, Golden State this this series. Um Jordan Poole, when um when he was coming out of Michigan, I really liked his game. But I never really like saw him beyond being a role player. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: or at least a high level role player. It just it, he just needed the shot making to fall, but like his shot making's been unreal and then on top of that, what you call it, um like, the playmaking has been there, too, and, like, the shot making is, like, ridiculous. Like, it's, like, he is, like, looking like Steph in, like, some of these plays, like, especially that game, two versus um, mm-hmm. the Nuggets. I mean, it, it, it's it's hilarious how, like, both Steph and Jordan Poole had their breakout um, playoff series against the Nuggets.
1: Um, yeah, sure, yeah. Cause it was, I think it was like what twenty thirteen. I believe, yeah, it was twenty thirteen when when we ended up playing um Denver in the first
0: round. Yeah, yeah, it was, and that was that was Steph's like coming onto the scene series right there. And this series is Jordan Poole's coming onto the scene series, and it's just it's just remarkable. And like for the Warriors to have the luxury of being able to have Steph come off the bench and just like easily recover these first this first series going into the um the next. The next series is, like, a pretty good luxury to have. Um, they're probably going to be the f- the first team to advance, maybe, if they finish things off in Game 4 tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll have plenty of rest heading into the next matchup, will probably, which will probably be against um, Memphis um in the next round. And that should be an inter- entertaining series. But, I mean, as for the Nuggets on this end, I mean, nothing much more Jokic can do. He's doing all he can. He's got Will Barton chucking up shots in the clutch. Um, and other than that, he really doesn't have reliable, any really reliable pieces out there. Um, I couldn't even tell you, like, like I'm about to look at the box score for game three. So it was Jokic with 37, 18 and five. Aaron Gordon with 18 and 12. Mm-hmm. Then you had Will Barton with 13 and Monte Morris with 10 everyone else was in single digits um and yeah i mean jokic when he gives you 30, 37 18 and 5 I mean i don't know what more you can ask for him um and they kept this game close relative to the other two games um this game the warriors only won by 5 as compared to the uh, the first two blowouts so i mean we'll see what happens in game 4 i don't really expect the nuggets to really win that game so we'll see but um yeah, I mean, I expect the Warriors to move on and, you know, be smooth sailing from there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll probably have well, I'm predicting that, you know, we'll probably have Memphis in um uh, in the second round. And I feel like that's gonna be really intense. And I, in my opinion, the Warriors should probably take it personal, especially considering that um that we lost in the play in tournament to them last year, you know, which which caused us to miss the playoffs. And then of course, you know, throughout throughout this throughout throughout the course of the season, you know, the, the Memphis just kind of had us outnumbered, so It'll be good rest for the Warriors. Honestly, you know, to just get prepared for that possible series, and you know, we'll we'll see how they come out.
0: Yep, we will see. Um, so I think that's all we got for today's um, you know little playoff um, check in. Um, Nick, you got anything you want to plug before we head out of here?
1: Um, how do you feel about the um, the firing of James Borrego out there in Charlotte? Um,
0: I thought it was expected, honestly. I, I saw it coming. Yeah, like I His agree. rotations are very weird, but also they didn't do him any favors because that team doesn't have really any um, defensive personnel. Defensive so, player. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a doomed marriage from the start. Like, but he also didn't do himself any favors either. So, but yeah, I saw it coming.
1: Yeah. I, I- I honestly agree, honestly. Especially you know when, when you look at how bad Charlotte just was defensively. I mean, I think they tried to um, try to make something happen when they try to trade Harold, but obviously, obviously, Montrez is a very undersized guy, so obviously he doesn't make a difference as far as from that perspective. So I definitely expected it to happen. I don't know who they will pick next, but they're definitely going to have to bring more of a defensive personnel as a coach, in my opinion. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, because you know you just don't you just don't want the same thing to repeat again. Um, and they do got a good collection of um. Of talent, there they just need um the right defensive personnel to match with it that way that they don't get smoked in the play on the play in every year. That's true. That's a fact. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's what we got now. Um, you got anything you wanna plug?
1: Uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at uh Nick Andre ATR, very active on NBA Twitter. On there, Um uh, make sure to check out. I got two podcasts. Obviously, I got Count the Bucket, which streams live on Sunday nights. And then, of course, I got my other podcast titled "Agua Andre," the Hoop Truthers. We uh, we we release episodes every Monday, so yeah, just check us out from there.
0: All right, I am going to plug the Strickland as always. That is the Knicks website that I I am with. I was doing uh, what you call it, some post game, following every Knicks game. Um, but now I'm back doing my podcast, you know, every week talking some NBA playoffs so make sure you tune into the next episode we we'll probably have a different guest on um and yeah that's it peace it was